Hello, listeners. This is Dr. Andrea Goldmarks, and I'm here with one of my two Boom Goddess partners. Today we have B.B. Peters, who is such an amazing asker of questions. <laughs> she is an amazingly curious person, and she wants to get down to the details. So we're going to be talking a little bit today about some things that came up the last time we did an episode, and that was how to let go and how to uncover new ways of doing life. Welcome back, everyone, or welcome to this episode. Uh, it's always such a delicious pleasure to dig deep into Dr. Andrea's uh, experience and thoughts and really come up with something that's tangible and doable. So, uh, Dr. Andrea, when we talk about letting go, what exactly are they referring to when people talk about letting go? Yes. Basically, is to remove an impossible thought-slash-situation that seems to be defying um, comfort is, is really hanging there to make us feel uncomfortable, something that no longer serves us, something that might have served us in the past, but it no longer does. And letting go becomes as much of an issue as in the previous episode, we were talking about worrying. And I do think there are they're really connected, but there's a lot of dimensions to letting go. I mean, on one hand, it's a, something really superficial, like a loss, a lost piece of jewelry or something that eludes you. You can't find it anymore. Um, and then letting go of, you know, certain things that you lose in your body, certain functions that you're losing or persons that you're losing. And like your eyesight, right? Like even your eyesight gets a little bit worse uh, as you age. Absolutely. Or the way that you used to run or how you hear, right? All of those right. things. Loss of function. Loss right. of function. Right. So there's loss of concrete things, like where did I put that thing and the agitation that comes from that. And then there are people in our lives who we lose through death or like we've once talked about derailment friendship. friendships right or we've relocated and not only have we lost the things in our house but the relationship so letting go is a huge topic so where should we start? Well, curious woman. Yes, I know. I was just thinking, uh, one of the things you mentioned, like an, an insignificant little thing, like a piece of jewelry that you've lost, an earring or something of a an expensive set that you may have purchased. And now what I find is that if I just acknowledge that and accept that, that it's lost, and I trust that... It will probably, most probably, show up. Keyword trust. It appears in two or five days, it turns up. And I say, oh, great, here it is. Now, I know you can't apply that same principle to more serious things like loss of friendship or something. But even in that case, it seems to me, if you're willing to give in, to surrender to the idea that that friendship is no longer in your life, it makes it easier on you. And then time sort of takes care of it and it may come back again. What you're talking about is acceptance, which is a small word for a big process. 
it's us coming to terms with with things and also trusting that light I, I like to say this sometimes that life has more imagination than we do mm-hmm. that means to me that our own minds can be limited in terms of what to do next. I mean, we do want to control life, right? We want to know what's going to happen next. But if we live with the awareness that we can trust that life, for instance, abhors a vacuum, or that life has more imagination than we do, then we can quiet ourselves a little bit. I have a funny story once. I had lost a ring, a really important ring, and I couldn't find it anywhere. I mean, it was months. And one day, one night, I woke up in the middle of the night, and there was the answer. I had put it in a jewelry cleaner. I got up in the middle of the night. I found the jewelry cleaner, and there was the ring. Months later, my unconscious mind, my subconscious mind, kind of took care of that by giving me an image that with my worrying about it or my anxiety about it, you know, anxiety and worrying can stop a productive process as well. Right? Right. right. Most definitely. And I've heard you talk about that uh, letting go is not always so much about the loss of something. It's about actually attachment. And I love that idea. Um, how do you uh, explain that? How do you see that, that it's about attachment and not the actual loss? Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Loss is a bit of the feeling, but the precursor to that is the attachment. So let's just say you lose something. It was a, an heirloom or it was something that somebody you love gave you. Right. So is it the attachment to the thing or is it an attachment more to what that thing means to you? I would guess it's what it means to me. Right. 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 So it's important for us to examine our attachments. You know, like if somebody leaves our life, we can understand a little bit better if we examine it a little bit and we say, what did this attachment mean to me? And in so doing, what did I lose by losing that attachment? I mean, we have to learn to inquire of ourselves, right? To do a personal inquiry. What did that attachment mean? For instance, with losing a friendship. Right. There are so many people who I speak to who have lost a friendship. And when we did that episode early in Derailed our, friendships. Right? Derailed friendships. Them. Yeah. One of the most listened to episodes that we have, actually. Right. It's so important to people. Right. And actually, everybody we spoke to, everybody we spoke to, men and women alike, had the experience of a friendship either evaporating or ending or disappearing or diminishing over time. And so it's important for us because we're trying to understand the sadness or the feeling of loss, the emptiness, we can't really deal with that before we understand what the attachment meant. And when do we begin to develop those attachments? Is it early on in our lives? Oh, absolutely. Think about it for a moment. You know, I had this little pet dog that I was very attached to as a, I don't know, as a baby. 
And I remember we lived in an apartment house, and they had the trash bins all lined up. And I was like a little toddler, I mean less than three. And I saw that little doggy in the trash, and I realized that my mother had thrown it out because I guess it had become kind of ratty. But that's... Oh, it wasn't a live dog. No. I'm oh. sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, must, I must add, <laughs> right? Live dogs are even harder, right? But, but to a baby, right. what the baby attaches to with a stuffed animal or a teddy bear or whatever... Or a blankie, right? Or a blankie. Yes. It's called, in psychology, a transitional object. In other words, our first attachment is to mommy or daddy. Right. Because they feed us, right? And right. they hold us. And, right. right, right. And it's a necessary attachment. When mommy or daddy is not around, maybe they put a teddy bear in our crib or our favorite blanket in our crib. So we transfer that important attachment to the object. And that's why we call it a transitional object. Right. But that, you know, it's great that you asked that question because all attachment. Um, basically comes or, or winds up being, without that attachment, we feel a little bit less secure for some reason. And so it's hard to let go of those attachments, right? Because they're sort of part, part of us and they give us comfort. Comfort, yeah. That's the main thing, right? So um, what about the older attachments um, and how they serve us, our survival, and make us stronger. How does that work? Well, that's very similar because the teddy bear is the baby's way of surviving the anxiety of not being close to mommy or daddy. Or in the case of a child who's born into a large family, any of those people. Right? That's a whole other that's a whole other story. I mean, you know, when the only child like you were was born, the only people looking in on the cradle were mommy and daddy. When the fifth child in a family is born, there's a host of people yeah. circling right. that that baby. And so the nature of attachment is in fact different for each one of us. But bottom line, it does have to do with our feeling of security. So I love how the idea of understanding that attachments are the first things that happen, and then we can let go. We can work on letting go of those attachments. So what kind of situations require us to let go, right? We have conflicts of interest. We have conflicts of integrity, loyalties. There's financial issues, new relationships that you think are really great, and then they sort of... Um, uh, wither away and you have to let go of that relationships that transition to another realm like us being alone after the death of a partner or divorce or the satisfaction with life as it is our unfulfilled desires that we're experiencing that's a very big one in other words if you had a dream let's just say of going to graduate school or you had a dream of having a certain kind of job or a certain kind of longevity with a relationship, that was a dream, right? Let's say you got married when you were in your 30s and you imagined you were going to spend the rest of your life with that partner and then life happens and that partner disappears. Yes, you lost the person, 
that's the first loss. But the second loss is that you lo lost the dream of growing old together. And believe me, loss of a dream is as frequent a reason for people to come to talk to a therapy or a coach. Mostly, I think it's the realm of therapy. Loss of a dream is a big one. And, you know, it takes, like, the word you used before, which is deconstructing that attachment to the dream. A lot of people don't realize how important it is when we lose a dream. A lot of people don't realize because they don't know <laughs> that we've had that dream, so they can't soothe us or, or, or help us or, or understand. And so, right, so we have dreams that we dream at night, but then we have dreams that we dream during the day and during our life, right? And whether it, we are influenced by the outside or whether we're influenced by what's happening in our mind and heart and soul, we develop this dream of how we want our life to be. And we attach to it. And we attach to it. Right. We in other words, it. we, it's something just because we can't see it. Right, and touch it doesn't mean that all of our deep heart energy or our survival, it, it doesn't mean that it's not just as potent as, as missing something that you can touch. Well, and having that disappear. I know. Well, you know how I am all about solutions, right? It's like I, I'm often such a list person and wanting to uh, come to a conclusion and say, okay, here's the problem, Dr. Andrea. What are the three things? What are the three steps that we can do that we can take to resolve those kind of things? Well, And before we get to that, which we're going to do in just a moment after our break, um, I just wanted to uh, reaffirm to our listeners to understate about attachments and letting go. If you could just repeat that for one moment. Okay. Well, anytime, you know, let's say you're talking to a friend and they say, you know, you really need to let go of this, right? Right. It's really difficult for us to just let go. It's almost like saying, just say no. Right, just letting go is—it's is, not a solution. It's like self-love we talked about. You know, you can't look in the mirror and say I love you. Right. right? We have to look in the mirror and and really prove something to ourselves. So letting go successfully does demand that we understand how and why we attach to that thing, person, idea in the first place. I love that. We'll be right back to talk about the solutions. <laughs> Everyone, so this is BB Peters and Dr. Andrew Gould Marks right here with Boom Goddess Radio, and today we're talking about letting go. And I am the kind of person that wants to know, like specifically, what do we do to let go of those nagging thoughts or perhaps behaviors that we have? And lucky for us, Dr. Andrea Gould Marks has the answer for us. <laughs> well, I, I, I put it in the form of suggestions, <laughs> right? Um, 
and and there are a couple of things to understand that works. And as we were saying before, you know, being able to let go of something um, isn't an easy thing. And more than anything, we need to understand the nature, the whys and wherefores and hows of our attachment to that thing. Right. And you know what I'm going to say. One of my favorite techniques for self-understanding. Here it comes. Here it comes. Get ready. <laughs> is best accomplished through means like journal writing or sharing with a trusted other. Those are the really easier ways. Because if we're writing in our journal, we can even ask ourselves the question. Why is this so hard for me to let go of? Or where did I develop this idea or this attachment in the first place? I'm working with a family whose 18-year-old decided not to go to college. And the parents went you know, ballistic. Ballistic. And so I had to explore with them what their attachment was to it. And, of course, all the usual things um, that, you know, you can't earn as much money. We're worried that she won't be able to support herself, all of those things. But what they were leaving out was the child herself, not even a child, the young adult herself, and what her reasons were and why she didn't attach to that. Because she attached to other things, like her talent as an artist. She got more attached to her talent as an artist because those were her, those were her best days. Those were her best feelings. That's what she got rewarded for among people outside of her family. So she attached to that. So now we have attachment versus attachment. But if we understand that, if I work with the parents to understand why and how they feel that that's the most important thing, or to leave room for the fact that their growing young adult may come around at another time or may seek a different kind of education. So that's, that's another way of understanding the nature of that. And you know, if we live our lives open to the perspective of others rather than being attached to only our beliefs and ways, then letting go will most likely be easier or at least less torturous. There is a term that you've used in the past that I want to draw the listeners and my attention to, and that is uh, the concept of psycho-spiritual mindset or course of action. Um, I love the combination of those words, the psycho-spiritual. Can you explain to our listeners how you define that term and what are the benefits of understanding it to our well-being? Yeah, it's a bit complicated, but I think starting with, um, if we use the word spiritual in this context, we're really talking about philosophical. Okay. All right. So that if we have the belief that we can control everything, then that sets us up for a lot of anxiety and disappointment. Um the not the opposite, but an alternate belief is that we can't control everything and that life has a way of helping us work things out if we trust. So the latter would be more of a, what I'd call a psycho-spiritual orientation 
or mindset, which is made up of a couple of things. The psychological part is based on our past experience and what we believe. The spiritual part is part of our philosophy of life and what we've noticed, let's say, in terms of the big picture or how when we were concerned about something, it wound up turning out. That's why I'll go back to the writing piece. I think it's so important for us to write down what we expect to happen and what actually happens. So psycho-spiritual is a combination of psychology and philosophy, and certainly if one has a very specific spiritual discipline, then Whether you it be know, add it right in, uh, religious. I love talking about the term psycho-spiritual because sometimes spirituality is understood by people to be religiously affiliated, but it isn't. It's really a philosophy of life as well. I think a really good example is some of the philosophy in Buddhism. Yes. Right? So one of the major tenets of Buddhism, for instance, is that all things change. All things change. It's called the concept of impermanence. Nothing can be counted on forever. If you believe that nothing can be counted on as a forever thing, then you're not going to be as shocked when something doesn't last. And that's a good example. Buddhism in its philosophy is psychological and spiritual. And that's the term psycho-spiritual, but we're really looking at what our beliefs are. What is our philosophy of life? What have we observed? What have we, obs what have we observed about other people who seem to deal well with adversity or who seem to be resilient? Those things would probably be in that category. It's more than just behavior. It's their belief system. And it's not always so easy. We know uh, ourselves that some of our thoughts don't serve us well, right? We know that's the case. So how to let go of that? What's the recipe? What's the secret key to that, to free ourselves of those thoughts? Well, first step is what we've just been talking about. To um, Aside from understanding the nature of our attachment, it's also to examine our beliefs. And our beliefs can be, like we say, psycho-spiritual. Our beliefs can be philosophical. And that's kind of something that happens as we grow, as we get older, as we get more experienced. We know not to get so upset about something because either something happens to take its place or we get another perspective from someone else or we learn. <laughs> we learn, see, right? So that one of our boom goddess continuous taglines is keep learning, right? Because that learning process, in addition to connection, is what gives us vitality and interest in life, and it really enriches us in so many different ways. You're right, baby. And one of the things is that perhaps we need to develop more curiosity. In other words, if we think we know everything, and then things don't Who turn does? out. Who does? Who among our listeners thinks they know everything? <laughs> no one says that. <laughs> but somebody might believe it. Yes, right? yes, yes. And so the belief that we don't know everything, 
that we have what we can learn. We can learn from another person, or we can learn from research, or we can learn from reading, or we can literally take a course. A while back, I said that when we're stumped, sometimes we just have to ask ourselves, what do I need to think? What do I need to believe? What do I need to do? What do I need to learn? And if we ask that question, in a seemingly impossible situation, and we say, what is it that I need to learn? Then when we ask a question like that, we put ourselves in a receptive mode. Right. And though the answer might not come in, in a second or two. But it may happen like your lost piece of jewelry, mm-hmm. right? You ask that question, and it doesn't, uh, you don't find it right away. It takes just a little bit of time, and then you uncover what the answer is. And there's another, that, that's exactly right. And then there's another piece to it, which is if we pose a question to ourselves and therefore put ourselves in a um, receptive mode, then there's such a thing as selective perception. So, for instance, I'm looking to paint the outside of my house, and I don't know the answer. I don't know which thing I'd really prefer, which colors. So I I content myself without having a quick answer, and then all of a sudden, everywhere I go, (laughs) there are colors, and I'm looking at them, and I am being shown by my experience, alternatives that I couldn't just conjure by myself. And how then, and then you gauge how your eyes feel. Do you have a smile? Does your body welcome that color, right? So you are receptive to getting the feeling, the feedback from seeing these colors. And then over a couple of days, you may say, okay, now I have it. Right, right. And anything can work like that, you know, even... I dare say, when people are seeking a partner in life and we go through the process of making a list and what's important and how do you want to feel, which is better than just like looking for a type, how do you want to feel, that kind of wakes up a receptivity in a person then all of a sudden somebody who's been unsuccessful on the dating scene for let's say five years or more, all of a sudden there's an opening. And so being curious is a way of um, keeping ourselves from being a know-it-all, which a know-it-all can keep us really stuck. So part of the answer about letting go of, of dysfunction is to be able to be open to new information. I mean, I guess that's the best way to put it. I love that idea. And, of course, just that my, one of my favorite words again, which was a list, a formula. So let's just take a moment and identify some specific things. Now, our listeners can find others. We won't be able to get to and it all. And we can all. publish them on our webpage Absolutely. just in case we lose any. Yeah, boomgoddess.com right there. And we'll have the complete list back for the time time being, let's just begin with a couple of them. So the first one is recognize the parts of thoughts, beliefs, or habits that you have that are dysfunctional. And dysfunctional just means they're not serving you. So recognize them as they are happening. Note them and press a little button that says delete. 
And remember that it's not about loss. It's about understanding attachment. And it's not about letting go. It's about understanding these attachments, how and why they developed, and how they no longer work for us. And we can change our beliefs about their power over us. And then it's easier to let go of our shoulds and other self-talk that keeps us stuck. I love that, letting go of our shoulds. I think that's perfect. Oh, that's another whole episode, oh, right? It's another whole episode. And you remember what we said about mindfulness. So any one of our listeners could easily look up mindfulness and easily even sign up for a mindfulness um, meditation course. That definitely is one of the best things you can do for your life in general. You learn so much from actually so little in such a simple process. For more information, visit our website, boomgoddessradio.com, and follow us on Facebook, Boom Goddess. We'd love to hear from you. Your interest powers our programs. <laughs>